The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Boys of Tech episode 79. Welcome along. My name is Edwin Herman. My co-host is Brett King, who joins me over Skype. Welcome, Brett. Howdy. Brett, it's uh, Monday the 16th of August, 2010, episode 79. And, you know, this week we saw Oracle suing Google over its use of Java and Android, but it's not a story I want to talk about, but it's rather interesting, I thought. Hmm. And also, this week, just been, it was Steve Wozniak's 60th birthday. He turned 60 Wednesday last week. His birthday is the 11th of August. Ah, congratulations, Woz. Yeah, now I'll tell you what, we we will have a song for him. Uh, Jonathan Mann is the guy who's doing a song a day on YouTube. And Woz's wife, Janet, commissioned a song through, through Jonathan Mann for his 60th birthday and we've actually got permission from Jonathan to play the uh, the song in our podcast and we'll do that as a musical interlude uh, between this main section of the show and the New Zealand stories that follow at the end. So how does that sound? Sounds good. It's a funny little song that uh, very, very cleverly done as all his songs are in fact. So let's kick off the show Brad uh, with well a story on Google. Police in Korea and South Korea have raided the offices of Google. <laughs> what were they looking Let me for? Guess. Let me guess. This is once again to do with Street View. Yeah, it is. It is. The Wi-Fi sniffing. It is, exactly. It's about Google collecting traffic data, you know, people's... Private data going across yeah, Wi-Fi going networks. going across yeah. wireless networks. That's right. And the, this time in South Korea, they've actually raided the offices of Google. Mm-hmm. The thing, you know, the thing is... When Google, when this story first broke a while ago, uh, not this particular <laughs> story, but the the, 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 the wider story the about Wi-Fi sniffing, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, which country was that first? Was it in the in the US? Uh, was wasn't it, it German? Britain, Germany, Germany, was it? Wherever it was, anyway. I remember, you know, Google came out fairly early on and said, "Oh, look, it w- it was an accident. It was by mistake." But what we're seeing now is that this is happening. This or this has happened in in multiple countries. Yeah. Now, it seems a little, I don't know, uh, how, how it was a sort of a, a one-off mistake, yet it happened in, in Germany and Britain and New Zealand. and, and <laughs> It's happened in more than 30 nations around the globe. Well, there you go. <laughs> doesn't sound like a one-off mistake to me. No, it doesn't. Yeah, so this is a, a bit of a worry, really, for, for Google, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen out of this, but... Uh, as I say, uh, South Korea is the latest country now to to consider action against Google. And as I say, the the, the big story here is that their offices were ra- raided by Korean police. Yeah, <laughs> they are under investigation uh, under whether or not they have broken data protection laws in South Korea. Wonder what their penalties are like over there. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't want to be Google Korea right now. I tell you that. <laughs> no. Another story caught my eye, and the only reason I raised it for this week is because, uh, was it last week or the week before, I made an off-the-cuff claim that surely Facebook must be nearing saturation. And this story just came up this week that in the UK, 
Facebook's growth has almost stalled. Uh, it's at least significantly slowed down, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, the user sessions, uh, the average u- time that someone spends on Facebook has dropped from 30 minutes to 27.4, which is almost 10%. Now, that's not to say Facebook is dying, not at all. No, nowhere near. But as with anything, there is a finite resource of people oh, to join up to these sorts of things. Absolutely. And yeah, we may be seeing that all of the people who would join Facebook in the United Kingdom may already be on Facebook exactly. in the United I, Kingdom. I just thought I'd point that story out because it was kind of... Uh, it is kind of interesting, hmm. but it is completely expected. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's nothing... Nothing can continue forever. No, definitely not. No, that's for sure. So anyway, there you go. Uh, And as you say, it's it's bound to to happen anywhere, everywhere, because we've got a finite uh, uh, number of people on this planet. Yep. Now, the first SMS-based Trojan for Android has been reported. Yeah, it's a Trojan that allegedly sends SMS, as in text messages... Uh, from your Android-based mobile device to premium numbers that, uh, so that they cost you a lot of money. Mm. It, yeah, it's, it's a, um, an, a nasty piece of malware, but it goes back to social engineering. Android's system is specifically designed to alert you if anything you're installing is going to need you know, various levels of access to different aspects of your phone, whether it be access to your text messages, access to your personal details of your phone number, um, access to the ability to send SMS messages. And you have to explicitly give permission for an app to do that. And so it's social networking that is allowing this malware to actually you know, get onto people's smartphones. And it's not just social engineering, it's people's willingness to just pre- press... Yes, to so, any so box you're saying, that comes up when they go, oh, I want to download, oh, this thing says I should download this this um, media player extension. I'll download it. Oh, it wants to access to my private data. Okay. Oh, it wants access to this thing or it's not going to install. Okay. Oh, it wants access to this to send SMS messages by itself. But if I don't say yes, it's not going to install. Okay, it's yeah, yeah it's oh, I know social exactly engineering what you mean. and people yeah. not actually paying attention to the little boxes and going, okay, the website has said that it wants to install this media application, this media player extension, but the media player extension is now asking for all of these different accesses to do these different parts of the phone. And why would this media player extension that I'm getting for whatever reason I'm getting, why would it need to send SMS messages? What is its purpose to do that? That would be a clue for me straight away that, wait a minute, this extension is asking for more permissions than I am comfortable giving it. I don't think I really need this this extension. So it's, yeah, it's just getting around. It's people not paying attention to the security alerts that are popping up from the phone saying, do you really want to give this thing this permission? Do you really want to give this thing this permission? And people just saying yes. Well, look, I know I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I, look, I'm guilty of it myself. I'm installing a piece of software that I, I found a piece of shareware, you know, something I want to try and I'm busy installing it. Next, next, yes, okay, yep, okay, fine. Something pops up. Yes, okay, that's fine. Just go ahead. And you just hit okay. And you really, you shouldn't. You should stop and no, think. What am I? You should stop and think. What is it asking? And What's do I really response? want to give it? Yeah, and exactly. the point being that, you know, it, there's been, you know, there's 
Now, the, the first Trojan, the first malware thing for Android OS, you know, once again, the sensationalist sorts of media titles to scaremonger things. But really, the Android OS has been built to protect you as much as is possible to still allow the openness of the Android OS. It is asking you if you want to give permission to do these different things. It is asking you, do you want to let this application send SMSs without your authorization? Do you want it to have access to your phone number? Do you want it to have access to your text messages? Do you want it to have access to these different parts of your private data that is on your phone? And if you say yes to them, then it's your own damn fault. But do you you think something's (laughs) got to be said, though, for Apple's model where to get an app on, onto your device, you have to go through the App Store. Those things well, are vetted. Well, once again, and this thing, this particular device, this particular malware is coming from a non-authorized website. It is not part of the Android marketplace. But it can still get on the phone, whereas with an iPhone, you can't get an app onto your phone. But that's with- the point of the openness of it. If you are willing to accept the risk, then you can download and install an app not from the Android market. But the Android operating system will still ask you, do you want to give this app that you are installing these abilities? And you have to think, why the hell would this application that I am installing need to send SMS messages? Why would it need to do that? Why would I need to give it permission to do that? Yeah, you're saying this should ring some alarm bells. That's what you're saying. It should bring alarm bells To any reasonable sort of person, any sensible person installing these things who has a smartphone for a reason (laughs) and not just as a gimmicky toy, these things should be raising alarm bells. Why does this media extension, media player extension, need the ability to send SMSs without my say-so? Why does it need access to these other things? What the hell was the website that I was getting it from and what was its purpose? Why does it need to do these things? These yeah. are questions yeah, you should be, you should be asking when you absolutely. install any app. These would be the questions I would ask if I was purchasing something from the Apple App Store. See, at least with the Apple App Store, though, you've got, well, Apple has that kill switch. So if, if it doesn't get detected before it gets published to the, to the App Store and approved by Apple, they can at least mm-hmm. kill it if they wanted to. But does the iPhone, when you install an app on it, ask you those questions about giving permissions? Well, that I don't know. I haven't got an iPhone, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, a good the point. Android, good point. The Android yeah, that's OS really, does. Yeah. It's got that layer. It's yeah. got that layer of protection, which is meant to be there to, you know, any sensible person should be able to accept that as a pretty damn good level of security. Yeah, it gives them the opportunity, doesn't it, to say, hey, yeah. you know, this... It's, I am accepting the fact that this thing I'm installing, I'm giving access to send SMS messages without my say-so. So this malware is dubbed the uh, Trojan SMS.AndroidOS.FakePlayer.A. Uh, it's only via, uh, currently... Trojan. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it only, only in, works in Russia. That's right. It's currently only in Russia. So obviously it's something that has probably emerged from there and may only ever remain local to there. We don't know. Uh, yep. But I guess it pays to be aware of this because we could see more of these. But mm. as you say, what you're saying is that an- the Android OS is designed very well and designed with uh, security in mind and that it will prompt you and say, hey, I'm going to send some SMS messages now. And, you know, if, if this is a media well, player... It doesn't, you're, you're it doesn't say that. It, it asks whether or not you want to give permission for the thing you're about oh, to I install see. to right. do that. Oh, okay. All right. So... So it's, but, but do you, know, you want you to could, give permission yeah. for this thing to send SMS messages? Yeah, but you can easily dupe people and and and, and you know, on the website where the where you get this 
uh, fake software from, uh, you know, it, it could say, you know, you need to make sure it can send SMS messages to obtain updates or something. Why? Yeah, well, why? Okay, I know. It's, I it's wrong. Update, but, but why can't, I just, yeah, why but can't I just sync it via Wi-Fi? Because it's not designed that way. That's what they want you to think. But then you just, once again, you're not using yeah. your smarts. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't disagree it's with you. It's a mobile but phone. I think that's Why would you a- ever give anything the ability to send SMSs without your permission? Anyway, why am I saying this? I shouldn't give people these ideas. Because <laughs> you know? maybe they haven't thought of that yet, and they will. That's what they'll, they'll exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. So, you're so, giving somebody out there an, uh, the idea of, oh, I should make I should make sure that it, it sends updates via SMS. Now, another story caught my eye as well. Uh, one of Murdoch's uh, enterprises, a, a British broadcaster, B Sky B, is apparently locked into a dispute with Skype over the word Sky as part of the, the name Skype. They don't like that. Mm. Because, you know, yeah. Uh, and, you know, to me, this, this seems ridiculous. It's, it does. It completely seems ridiculous. <laughs> it's the word Sky for crying out loud. I know. And it's because it appears in B Sky B. Uh, they don't like the, the Sky in Skype. I mean, for goodness sake. Yeah, but you don't call it Sky P-E. Ex- exactly. Well, ex- exactly, exactly. The name is Skype, exactly. not Sky P-E. Exactly. I mean, what are you going to do now? Go down to double letters or single characters? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, this, this is silly. But yeah. It I, is. I, I, sp- I spotted that and I thought, oh, this will ra- get Brett going. <laughs> <laughs> that was my wind up Brett story for this week. <laughs> yeah, no, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, did you saw, see the story about the supposed dead girl in Google Street View? Yeah, yeah. Especially seeing as it, you know, the, the Google Street View picture is like quite some, quite old. It is, it is. There's apparently what appears to be the body of a girl lying on the footpath or, or the sidewalk, as they say in America. Or the, the pavement, as they say in Britain. So many words for the same thing. Yep. It's difficult on these international podcasts. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's, a, there's you know, a, what looks like the body of a, of, a, of a girl lying on the ground. Yep. Turns out it's not the case, though, is it? It's a, it's a 10-year-old girl, and she's what, just uh, playing? Yep, she's playing. She apparently plays a lot on the, the footpath outside her house. And, yeah, she tripped over and decided to play dead. Yeah, and she didn't know that the Google streetcar was coming down the road just at that time. No, no. <laughs> and so it snapped her. And this is in Worcester, by the way. Yep. In in the UK, so <laughs> you can actually go on to it's uh, it's twenty two Middle Road, Worcester, spelled W O R C E S T E R in England. So if you want to look that up on on Google Street View, that's the address twenty two Middle Road, Worcester. Yep, and you can see the <laughs> little girl lying on a footpath. Yeah. Who is not dead? <laughs> you know, questions have been raised, though, about the people driving the Google Street View cars are obviously so focused on their job at hand, they don't even notice what could possibly actually be someone in trouble and need of help. Or it could quite possibly have be that when the car was approaching, they saw the girl lie down. Ah, you reckon they might have spotted and, her do that? Yeah, they, they might very well have seen that she was a non-dead girl <laughs> and hence why the you know nothing was done about it oh uh, yeah I, just, I like the term non-dead it's, it's accurate we're non-dead this is the this is the non-dead episode indeed uh, we're not the undead episode because that's completely different well, that, now that would be different yes no not the undead but yeah no we're <laughs> the non-dead all right moving along another story spo- uh, I spotted this week 
is the revelation that some cars can be hacked, or at least the computers in, in cars can be hacked. And the access point for this is through the wireless tyre sensors. Yeah, oh, hilarity. Absolute hilarity. So how does it oh. work? How, how does this... So cars well, have what, wireless um, sensors? To, yeah, there to are sensor- wireless sensors um, to check the to monitor the pressure inside tyres. It's uh, apparently compulsory on all new automobiles in the United States. And yeah, every you know minute, minute and a half, it, the wireless sensors in the tyres send information to the electronic control unit of the car. And each of the tyres, tyre pressure sensors, has a unique ID. So you can actually set up a wireless system to track a car, either by following it or by setting up a sensor on a road. And every time a car with the, you know, an ID goes past, you know where that person's going, oh, which that- direction it's going. You could set up a whole heap of these sensors and just, you know, pick up and follow a car. That um, could be interesting. But you can also, because they connect to the ECU wirelessly, you can eavesdrop on them and then you can send information falsely to the ECU and you can do things like make alerts, warning lights and stuff, turn on on the dashboard, send a signal saying that your your tires are running flat when really they're not, or you can send malformed information which will even crash the, the ECU completely well, in the what, car. what happens when an ECU crashes? Does, does your car just stop? Or? It, well, it, it depends. Happens? It depends on how integral they, they, the ECU is to the car. It, it could very well cause the, the engine to stop. So can they do dangerous things as well? Not via this particular method. They haven't done well, anything put, which put, is put particularly the dangerous. Right. No. These same researchers have previously shown that the ECUs themselves can be quite easily hacked on a car, giving the attacker's abilities to turn the wipers on, honk the horn, or turn the brakes off, jam the accelerator how they, So that, how do they do that stuff? Is that, That's not through the wireless sensors, is it? That's, that's no, that's not through the wireless through sensors. Physical, physical My guess is that's or? through some, yeah, some more physical access to the ECU. But it just to, um, goes to show you how prevalent interconnected computer technologies are in every device that we use these days, but also how insecure a lot of these devices are. It's like these devices aren't internet connected, uh, but they still, you know, they communicate wirelessly. They're, they've got ID numbers, which are unique and can be tracked, and they just broadcast them anywhere. They've got a, an incredibly easily hacked system of communicating with each other, with the ECU. The ECU is shockingly badly secured. And this is a central part to a vehicle. And can you imagine being on a, a highway and having somebody who's tinkered around with the ECU in your car be able to turn your brakes on or, or, you know, stick your accelerator in the open position. Well, let's, let's, hope, <laughs> let's hope these things don't run Windows. <laughs> well, definitely not Windows. But it's, yeah, it's surprising at how insecure all of these different electronic devices are becoming. It's the, the prevalence of these connected devices and the, what appears to be a significant lack of security thought in the development of these devices. You have to ask those questions, don't you? I mean, yeah. how Who's, can it be who, so easy who to... Who was thinking of, well, let's have wireless tyre pressure sensors so we can make sure that the car knows whether or not the tyres are down and need to be checked or, you know, are at optimum pressure for miles per gallon performance. And so we'll embed some wireless sensors in there. Uh, who on the team who developed those things thought of, well, we, maybe we should make sure that they're securely 
communicating with the different devices that they're communicating with so that other people can't intercept them. But then people probably thought, you know, it's just a tire pressure sensor. Who's going to care about that? Well, like, they, they probably start are, except for the fact that they are broadcasting a unique identifier, which means you can track people. It's another way of tracking people surreptitiously without them knowing. I mean, they have to be <laughs> wireless. Did, they have yeah, to be wireless, and, though, because otherwise the the, the, well, yeah, the wire would, would you get wire into it, get all wrapped around your axle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's but what there's they ways to make these things secure. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Wow, there you go. Who knew that was possible? <laughs> I certainly did. In yeah. fact, it's the first time I, I must admit, I'm a bit naive about these things. It's the first time I've even heard of wireless yeah, tire well, pressure I've sensors. The car, which has had an ECU anyway, so <laughs> I've never owned a car modern enough to have its own computer installed. Yeah, I don't think my car has. One that didn't come in my own pocket. Like a robot car? No, I mean, like I brought the computer into the car. Oh, it, right. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Right, Jamie Wilkinson. He, this week, in the week just been, released a piece of software. He, I think he's a little bit anti-Google, it gets me uh, thinking. He released a piece of software that you can install on your computer and it will al- sound an alarm any time that your computer attempts to contact one of Google's servers, be it YouTube or Google Analytics or Google.com or anything related so to Google. basically, once you've installed this piece of software, once you've installed this, this plug-in to your browser, you will constantly hear a loud buzzing sound. Pretty much. I cannot because think, I, I, I can't I think of a it. single website that I go to that does not use Google Analytics. Or Google Ads, actually. AdWords yeah, is the other one. Google Ads. Now, I have tried it, Brett. I ran this for a bit and I, I tried it. And you're right, about 75% of the sites I went to, there are some that don't, actually. You'll, you'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, about 75% of the websites that I went to sounded the alarm for, uh, I think it was either AdWords or Google Analytics, the, those two things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this all came this so just to put some context to this the reason that Jamie developed this is because you know there's been a few well there's been some concerns out there about the privacy uh, and what Google does with your data and what data it sends to its servers and so on and so I, I think he he's developed this because he's concerned what Google is doing with his data and when it's sending information to, to Google servers. So he's developed, yeah. d- developed this. And yeah, the- I'm, I've, um, I was kind of slight, slightly confused as to what his purpose was for it because he knew exactly what the result was going to be. Because, for instance, he, he was saying that in his own tests, he found like 70 to 85% of websites that he visits on a daily basis use Google in some kind of method, either through AdWords the, the ads or through Google Analytics, embedded Google Analytics on the web page. And he admits that he himself on his own websites uses Google Analytics. <laughs> yeah, he, does, so he says that. it's like, how could you not know that the websites you were going to, if, you, if you're a website developer, how could you not know that the websites you're going to are going to be sending something to Google Analytics well, you when won't you know yourself you... embed Google Analytics? Yeah, I know. But you're, <laughs> you're not going to know any individual site until you until you've been to it, I mean, and looked at the code. So, But yeah. you know, it, it could just be that he, he wants to highlight how prevalent... How prevalent Google is in the world yeah. of information gathering exactly. and information statistics work. That's right. Yeah. yeah, well... And look, it, it, it brought it to my attention. I mean, there you go, been, 75% of sites I went to touched Google service for some reason or another. You could have asked me this question before I knew about this Google Alarm plugin, and I would have said, you know, 75 to 90% of the websites that I went to would send data to Google, purely because I work on websites, and 
we use Google Analytics and Google Analytics is quite prevalent in website analytics. And so I would, yeah, <laughs> go with a very large percentage of websites would be using Google Analytics. And so data would be sent to Google. Well, I probably <laughs> would have guessed around the same mark. My experience is about 50% of sites that I go to at least tend to use Google Ads and mm-hmm. I mean, I know that Google Analytics is, is kind of reasonably prevalent out there. So I probably would have bumped that up to around 70 or 75% as well. So yeah, yep. I mean, it's a, you, as you say, you can, if you've got a little bit of analysis, you can kind of work out that that's where it's going to be at. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is you don't need to install the Google Alarm plugin. If you wanted something which was not quite so audibly annoying, you could just install the Google dashboard because it tells you when it's sending information to Google when you're visiting a website that's sending information to Google and what information it's sending. Yeah, now Jamie has an answer to that, doesn't he? He says, well, you have to actually go in and log in and have a look at that and people don't do that. So this is a nice, uh, you know, his Google alarm is a nice, easy way that avoids all that and and you still get the the same sort of uh, information back. So that's his answer to it. Except in an annoying, buzzy sort of way. Well, it is kind of, yeah. So if you're interested in this product anyway, uh, Google, Google alarm... And uh, give it a go. See what you think. Yeah. (laughs) So if you come up with, you know, the the realm somewhere between 70 and 90% of the websites you go to, uh, send information to Google. I can say that uh, the Boys of Tech website, boysoftech.com, uses neither Google Analytics nor Google AdWords. So we are kind of the exception. But that's because, you know, we've got a nice, lean, mean site. (laughs) <laughs> and you have some other insidious way of collecting user statistics. Well, I do. I do, actually. That's right. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and I won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone's shoe size that comes by. So, it just goes to show listeners that when you log on to the Boys of Tech website, make sure you read any pop-ups that appear. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting people paranoid you're going to turn people away of course, of course we are joking we are very much joking there's no such thing alright so that brings us to the end of the international section and as I said at the beginning of the show it is or it was was his gosh that's confusing it was was his birthday <laughs> it was yeah, it was his 60th birthday Steve Wozniak co-founder of Apple that was on Wednesday 11th of August and just to repeat what I said at the beginning his wife Janet commissioned a song by Jonathan Mann, who is doing currently doing a song a day. And if you're interested in more of Jonathan Mann's songs, you can. This is not an ad, by the way. He's not paying us for this, and we're not paying him. It's just something we found and was kind of cool. Uh, you can visit his YouTube site, youtube.com/slash The Rock Cookie Bottom, or uh, on Twitter at twitter.com/slash Song A Day Man with two ends because that's his surname, Song A Day Man. So uh, the one we're going to play is, as I say, the one that uh, was commissioned for Was's birthday, and it's called That's Was. So take a listen to this, and we'll be back with the New Zealand stories right after this. He invented personal computer in a garage in 1975. But that's was just a geek with passion. It's passion that keeps us alive. It's passion that keeps us alive Do it for fun
change the world Pouring his heart into subroutines When jobs didn't give employees stock options Was shared his with the rest of the team Was shared his with the rest of the team Jetpack. I'm always on a Mac, your heart is free When I was three, my first compi was an Apple IIe I used it every day and I remember when I learned to type Wish you could have been my fifth grade teacher It's a bug, it's not a feature You're a singular creature A geek god and a preacher of a wisdom that is fun And being who you are Making each day count And embracing the bizarre Jonathan Mann with That's Was. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant song. Indeed. And I uh, want to also say thank you very much, Jonathan Mann, for letting us use the song royalty-free and also a happy birthday to Was in the uh, week just been. Now onto our New Zealand stories. You may recall the release of the iPhone 4 here was a complete chaos. <laughs> a shambles it was. It was. People had, you know, the last minute we heard all of a sudden, oh no, the launch is off. And then it's it's not going to be at uh, Vodafone stores. It's now going to be at JB's. And then, oh no, suddenly it's on again and it's a Vodafone, but it won't start till midday. And there was no pricing announced. It was it's a complete shambles. Then we had Sam Dalton uh, as our guest, actually. That was episode 77. He, he had purchased an iPhone 4 on that day. He queued up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a complete shambles. Now, there's this, a story has just come out this week. It's a bit of a rumor, really. We don't know if this is correct, but... They say that the reason behind the chaotic release of the iPhone 4 here in New Zealand might have been something to do with a pricing spat between Vodafone and Apple. Mm. Uh, apparently, if the rumour is to be believed, Apple had told Vodafone to change pricing uh, for the iPhone 4 shortly before it was due to hit the uh, the shelves, but Vodafone was dis- disagreed with that and threatened to can the launch entirely and not do it, but then apparently Vodafone's head office in Britain stepped in and said, no, you will be launching it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is true. Oh, it would not surprise me. But what a shambles it was. That, that's just... Yeah, yeah. Complete shambles was suddenly then available, uh, you know, after midday on what was supposed to be the launch day and only to customers who were prepared to sign a two-year contract. And we only got an estimated 5,000 units in New Zealand and they sold out. You know, within a matter of hours. Oh, day, yeah. 
So there you go. That's the rumour of what could have been behind the chaotic release. A little mm, spat well, over the pricing. Well, it was complete shambles. Not what you would expect from an Apple launch. No. no Apple yeah, is usually like have slick a, with yes. their marketing, slick with their launch. But this, what they did in New Zealand, with, you know, with the, the secrecy of where you'd actually even be able to get a damn iPhone. Yeah, well, that was the other thing, wasn't it? On the <laughs> it wouldn't say anything. That it was going to be, and what sort of deal you had to sign up to, and what their plans and stuff was going to be, was just ridiculous and so very un-Apple. Well, you know what? I would go so far as to say it was embarrassing. It really yeah. was. It was embarrassing. Yes, it was definitely embarrassing. I was a member of the Apple marketing team. I would be incredibly embarrassed about the launch that occurred in New Zealand. Someone's going to get a rap on the knuckles, I, I feel. I don't know whether it's it's Vodafone or whether it's Apple internal, you know, for example, Apple Asia or Apple Australasia or, or whoever mm-hmm. sort of gets the say in New Zealand. I, I don't know, but I have a feeling someone's going to get a bit of a rap on the knuckles, I think, yeah, over that yeah. one. All right, the other New Zealand story I wanted to talk about was this appeal by the Society of Authors who want to instill a blanket licensing fee for internet users that will somehow compensate them for uh, for losses for, through copyright. Yeah, for losses, for unknown or unsuspected losses. It's like I'm a copyright holder to a novel that I've written and I don't know whether or not I am being copyright infringed, but I want money for it. So does that mean, though, if I'm paying this this tax, which is really what it is, yeah. as an internet user, if I'm paying tax, is that kind of like a... A license to then just copy any literary work? Don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the way that's it looks. What I, if I was paying a licensing, a blanket licensing fee, I would expect to be able to. Well, it's a bit, it's a bit like the, the fee on, uh, on blank CDs and was it Canada to cover, yeah. you know, copyright. So, so does that mean the, the question that gets asked then is, of course, if I'm buying these blank CDs and paying the tax, does that mean I get to copy stuff for free? I mean, exactly. the answer is obviously no by the eyes of the law, but... Um, but why am I paying a tax for it then? Exactly. Why am I paying a licensing fee for something that I'm not using, possibly will never use, and I'm going to get in trouble if I decide that since I'm paying a licensing fee for it, I may as well use it? Well, it's because you're, you're paying for the, uh, the bad people. Who, who why? Do that is the big question, isn't it? Why that, are yeah, the rest exactly. of us footing the bill for other people's miss, you know? I know, exactly. I mean, that, that is exactly the question. And, and why? Why? Exactly. And what really got me from this is that, you know, it's, it's there to cover, to compensate for file sharing, which may occur without the copyright owner's knowledge. I know, so this, it's so wishy-washy, it's so vague. Putting completely, you know, the copyright owner, does, the copyright holder doesn't even have to see there doesn't even have to be infringing. Oh, it's, oh, it's ridiculous. See if somebody is actually downloading or pirating their software, their their book, their music, their movie, their whatever. They can just claim that somebody could possibly be using a piece of work that I hold the copyright of without my knowledge illegally. So I want a chunk of cash for it. I want everybody to pay me for it. Oh. Well, I mean, could, you know, how many, could you see, how many double dips, triple dips, quadruple dips do we have to be well, exactly. shelling out for for things that 
Mm. And can, have- can you see us, for example, starting the Society of Podcasters and then saying, well, look, let's have this licensing fee because maybe, we don't know, but maybe there are people out there that are listening to our podcast over Peter P Networks and therefore we're not getting the credit for the ads that we play. Uh, so we'd like some some money from people to compensate us for that. Well, we don't yeah. know whether they're doing it, but, you know, if they are, we don't know, so we'd like some money. I mean, that's, oh, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? That's yeah. what it's like. That's exactly what this thing is. It's, oh. <laughs> right, I think before either of us get too wound up on that one, I think I'm going to wind up the show. Mm-hmm. Brett, it's been a, a very good show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, thank you very much for co-hosting it with me once again. Always a pleasure, Ed. And that's episode 79. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. See you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.